You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I just led that sentence with all right. It was kind of funny. I was reading a review on iTunes, and uh, there is a guy out there who thinks I say all right or right too much when I interview, and it drives him crazy, and uh, so I just want <laughs> I just want to apologize. Uh, to that guy specifically that uh, uh, I ruined his day or his his podcast experience and I will try to use those two words a little bit less but today we have an awesome podcast we have a returning guest on his name is Tom Waters Tom lives in Kentucky and Tom killed a great Kentucky buck I think it was like the first couple days of October that he has been watching all summer and up until September. And uh, he kind of, him and another buddy were kind of talking about, uh, you know, who was going to go after it because they both have access to this property. And uh, long story short, Tom got the opportunity to go and harvest it. And that's what this podcast is about. Uh, just kind of uh, an awesome success story that gets the uh, the fires boiling, uh, the fires burning, the the blood boiling, the, I don't know, this time of year I don't need any help getting that, but if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not quite maybe fired up for the season yet, uh, this might help just a little bit. I know that I am getting jacked, it was like last night I was up until, I, I, my battery was on 54% and I just was on Onyx for 
after my kids went to bed, I didn't even watch TV. I sat in my living room and I was looking at topo lines. And I, then I, you know, the hybrid, you know, the hybrid version of it that shows the satellite imagery. And I was just like in my head going over all different access routes for a variety of different winds that could happen on how I'm going to intercept some of my hit list deer this year. And then I shut my phone off at about 5% battery life and it's after midnight or something like that and I'm still staring at my ceiling thinking about access routes and I couldn't even get to sleep so uh, I'm fired up I'm ready to I'm ready to go there's I only have like really one more parental responsibility and that is Halloween and then from there I'm just going to be focused on uh, checking trail cameras and trying to uh, target one of my hit list bucks that I've uh, kind of and really, it's only three deer this year. Only three deer really have gotten me too terribly excited. But, you know, the occasional bonus buck comes through uh, some of these properties. I got three doe tags I still need to fill. Uh, so I'm going to be trying to do that this weekend. And, uh, you know, just play, start playing that chess match. But before we get into the podcast, as always, I got to talk about one of the partners. Uh, first off... Uh, Vortex Optics, right? The Nine Finger Chronicles is brought to you by Vortex Optics. But today's commercial is Wasp Archery. And uh, I just, I, I really like the company, man. They, they, it's an American made, it's American company, American made products. And they have a ton of really badass broadheads, right? I am a huge fan of the fixed blade, uh, uh, the, the Boss 4 to the four blade boss uh, broadhead uh, killed uh, my deer last year with it killed uh, a deer the year before with it and I don't know what just happened recently but I kind of was like uh, maybe I'm going to shoot a mechanical this year and go back to the jackhammers that I've had a whole bunch of success with um, fixed blades I think I, I really got focused on fixed blades for my western hunts but honestly I'm starting to think about at 20 yards, the mechanicals are going to do the same thing uh, with all the power uh, of the bow and all the arrow weight that I'm shooting. I'm, I'm shooting like 512 grains, so it's going to push a mechanical broadhead all the way through the target at, you know, at 20 yards, right? So, uh, and a majority of my tree stand locations are real tight, you know, 20, 25 yard shots. So I might even be dabbling in a little bit of the mechanical broadhead waters this, uh, this season as well. So, uh, I haven't made my decision yet, but you need to go to wasparchery.com. Take a look at all the products that they offer, uh, mechanicals and fixed blades. If you haven't got your heads yet, or you need more heads, uh, you can use the discount code nine fingers, the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you'll save 20% off your broadhead order. And, uh, man, that's a, that's a pretty good discount for broadheads. And other than that, man, they're badass. They're just a badass company. And I really enjoy working with the people that work there as well. Like uh, one of the engineers and one of the, the head guys in charge over there, Fred Doherty, uh, that dude's the man. He's really smart. And if you ever get a chance to meet him, you should meet him. Other than that, we're done with the intro. Let's get into, I, I guess we're going to call it an early season success story with Tom Waters. 
All right, so I was just talking before we started recording uh, this episode. How many times have you been on the podcast now? Uh, this will be the fifth time. Fifth time. All right, so yep. five times. You're uh, you're a pro at it by now, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm glad <laughs> to be here. That's for sure. I was giving you shit before we uh, before we started recording because uh, one of the podcasts that you recorded with me was the time that you went to Hawaii and stabbed a wild boar with a knife. And, and <laughs> I, I, that's that kind of, those kind of stories still blow my mind. And I was, I was joking with you. So I'm like, Hey, have you stabbed any more pigs lately? Uh, that was the first words out of my mouth when you, when uh, you answered the <laughs> phone and you told me you're going back to Hawaii again this spring and you might be doing it again. I might. I'm sitting right here in my hunting room, and I'm looking at the uh, mouth on that thing and the tusks. And uh, it's been long enough. I might want to do it again. It was it was pretty exciting, man. I can't lie to you. Man, have you seen those guys? There's there's one guy in partic- in particular. I forget his name, but uh, Tim Wells, I think. But he he spears deer and spears <laughs> animal from tree stands. <laughs> like how crazy is that? That would be intense. To get, you'd have to get really close for that to work. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine doing that, but you know, whatever, whatever's legal. That's right. That's right. And, uh, so you're on the podcast today because, uh, it's that time of year where people start sending me emails and messages about the success that they've had. And, uh, you're from Kentucky and it sounds like you had some success early on this year. What, when was it that you ended up shooting this buck that we're going to talk about? Um, I got him on October 3rd, which was a, a Saturday, I guess two weeks ago, uh, Saturday. Okay. So when does, let's see, when does Kentucky season actually open? We're really fortunate here. Uh, if you're a bow hunter, uh, our season always opens the first Saturday in September. So I believe this year that was on the 7th or the 6th. I think it was the 7th and it runs all the way through Martin Luther King day. So gotcha. we got a really liberal season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy with Iowa, right? We don't have a gun season until like a week, uh, seven days into December, other than, uh, I guess a week, a week of early season muzzleloader. But, uh, oh, that's great. yeah, I, I love, I love that. I, I just wish that maybe once every five years or once every, however many years for residents, they would do a velvet season. I think that mm-hmm. would where it's like the last week in August or the first week of September, you can go out with, if you're a resident, you can go out with your equipment, uh, with your archery equipment and try, or maybe even an early season, early season muzzleloader tag and try to harvest, right. uh, you know, a whitetail. Now it's, I don't think it's something I would want to do every single year, but for you, when you, when you start hunting in Kentucky, are you getting out there right away, uh, or is it just one of those things where this big buck was showing up early, so you started hunting early? I try to get out there uh, as early as possible because, you know, it just seems like, you know how it is, it seems like forever uh, after the season's over before it starts again. And for us, I've generally found that the uh, velvet's pretty much off about a week to 10 days into September. Right. And uh, so I've tried to get out there and get on a velvet buck, but just hadn't had a chance to do it yet. I haven't had one in range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this particular buck that you uh, kind of targeted, you, I, I got this picture you sent me, and it's like, how many? One, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven velvet bucks in one little area. Uh, when, yeah. Is that normal to have a, a bachelor uh, group that big? It is at this spot. And uh, I kind of stole a, a term from the uh, hunting public guys. I call that the buck nest um, because in the summer, I mean, they're just out there and it's a big CRP field that you're looking at. And, um, you know, it's, I'm, I've heard you talk about it a million times and everybody else that's, that's hunted any, you know, they're all out there. And then about the third week, second week of, of August, they're just gone. Yeah. You know, so you get your hopes up and it's like, man, look at all this, I've got all this stuff to work with. But yeah, that's, uh, that's probably about 30 yards from where I shot that. Buck. Okay. So it's on a farm that you've hunted previously. Yeah, um, I'm really lucky. Um, I used Onyx to find the owner of this thing. And as I found the property, basically what I did is I uh, started looking to see who owned it. And come to find out, the guy that owns it's really good friends with one of my best friends. And uh, he doesn't live here. He, he doesn't live in the state, but he owns quite a bit of property. And he owns this piece. And uh, through that friendship, I was able to get on there. We both were. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Uh, so... How many years then has it been on this farm? This is the third season. Okay. Um, and it's, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just crazy because it's it, there's just a lot of deer out there. But I've never had a really mature buck out there um, once season started. Before the season, man, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So what about uh, this farm in particular, all right? So you got access to it three years ago. What's it lay? How many acres? What's the terrain? Sure. And then does it hold good deer throughout the year? Kind of touch on that. Yeah, it's not very big. It's a, it's really in a suburban area outside of Louisville, and it's only about 40 acres. Um, there's a big CRP field that's about 20 acres of it, and I'd call it a rectangle that runs from the southwest at the bottom to the northeast at the top. And it falls away in that CRP. Uh, the the land just falls away towards the back. There's woods on on either side of it, on the west and on the north. And it falls away, so it's lower area. So there's kind of a bowl at the bottom of it, on, and then there's a creek behind that, obviously. Okay. And uh, is it uh, like bedding areas? Is it transition between two different pieces? Is it uh, a, a final destination with a lot of food on it? Yeah, there's not that it's crazy. We, we've got tons of oaks in this area, but this place has just a couple of red oaks on it. So to the west of it, there's buck bedding um, up in the, and they'll sit up there. Uh, they lay up there in the uh, in the woods, and they can kind of see over this area to a degree. But that's primarily where they bed. They'll bed there, and then they'll bed to the north of it. Primarily does more to the north of it, and the bucks a little bit to the west of it in the woods over there. Gotcha. Okay. And then the creek, there's a transition. You know, they go from the creek from one open area of crp to another one gotcha all right so when you got trail camera pictures of some of these deer uh throughout the summer months um are, are these re repeat customers on the property were you able to identify some of them from previous years uh example maybe yeah. being the buck that you ended up shooting exactly it's crazy i went back through something the very first time i started getting really interested in this find out who owned this property i had a picture of a nice three-year-old eight-point long kind, and I went back, and I'm pretty sure it's this one, and then there's about four other uh, mature deer, three and four years old and older, that I get out there. I've got the last couple of years, so um, it's it's an area where there's not, they kind of get congregated, 
Um, but there's other areas, drainages throughout this whole area where they seem to split up. And usually the older deer weren't there uh, by the time the, the season rolled around. Gotcha. Okay. So is there, did you notice any, any type of shift, shift on, on the, uh, on the property, let's say like summer or September hits, or they, they strip their velvet, some stay, some go, uh, or a specific time where the bachelor groups, uh, kind of split up or anything like that. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's like clockwork. I mean, basically they're all there through the summer. Um, you get a, down to around the third week of August, and then you're just not seeing them. Um, you know, basically they're not running through there, uh, but they're just totally like clockwork up until that point. And it was, you know, what was always so frustrating because it's not a very large area, and you know they're in the area, so it seemed like it was kind of bad. I'd hunt other areas until the rut, you know, and then hoping that the, the uh, doe groups in there would have them, you know, cruising through there. But up until this year, October was just like a no-man's land because there's just not a lot of oaks. There is water, but there wasn't a lot of food beside the oaks. Yeah. Okay. So did you have a good acorn crop this year or not? No, not at all. This was one of the first years in the last few years that we have just had hardly any. Okay. Um, and we had a really bad drought in September. We had records of little rain um, and, you know, had some EHD that came along with it too. So it just really wasn't sizing up to what I thought was going to be a a very productive first part of the season. Right. And I heard, uh, you know, these rumors and these, uh, you know, people talking about EHD in Kentucky this year. How bad was it in your area? It wasn't as bad as 2012. And then you and I exchanged some emails last year where we had a section, primarily the eastern part of the state, where it hit pretty hard. But uh, this year the drought was so bad that, you know, that causes the deer to congregate around the water, et cetera. And those midges get a hold of them. So it was more widespread, but not as bad as 2012. Gotcha. It was widespread. I found a number of deer myself. So yeah. that's uh, pretty indicative of being in more than one property. Yeah. Any mature bucks? No, thankfully. Yeah. Okay. So when did this buck that you ended up shooting hit your radar or make your list? Was he on the list the previous year as well? Or did he make the hit list this year? Uh, he was on it last year, too. I had pictures of him last year, and uh, he basically looked dead like like he looked last year. And then, you know, after experiencing what I'd, re- what I'd seen the last couple of years, I was hopeful, you know, I wanted him to stick around, but I didn't have a lot of faith that that was going to happen. Yeah. So what what was his pattern last year? Did he Did he split once the season started or what? Yeah, once the season started, he was like the rest of these bachelor bucks, you know, that I, would t- that I was talking about. They'd just be gone. Now there'd be like a three-year-old, um, or maybe two three-year-olds that would hang out, but none of the big ones. Right. Uh, the big ones would be gone, and the older, you know, the older class gear seemed to be gone. Yeah. So, what does that tell you? I mean, is it because there's a pressure on your property that you hunt, or is it that they just? They are there during the summer months, and then they kind of split once the season gets rolling. Was there a time that this buck kind of made, uh, like, came back and stopped to check in and then left again? Or because I'll just kind of share a real quick example of uh, a deer that I'm chasing this year. He sticks around all summer, but then he ends up going away. Come, oh, I would say, I would say September. He, early September, late August, he splits, 
and then he doesn't come back until the rut comes back for about a week or two and then he's gone again and then he comes back late season so what that tells me is that's not his his core area so to speak if that makes sense right right no i agree that i mean this guy was very similar uh, in pattern you know what i'm thinking uh, has been that once once the uh, browse uh, and the summer food you know that they're in the crp just all over i think that they've been going to more oaks that are off this property because this property, it's crazy. As much as as much woods as there is surrounded, there are just very few oaks, and there aren't any white oaks, you know, which they like better than the, the red oaks because of the tannins and everything. So my belief is is these larger bucks were able to find some better uh, mass-producing areas uh, off of this property and basically hung out over there, and likely, you know, the does did the same thing. Gotcha. So what about this year then, right? So he kind of disappeared last year and then he shows mm-hmm. back up again this summer. Um, did he disappear for a while in September or, or did he, did he decide to stick around then? No, I, he did disappear in September okay. and um, kind of give you an idea of why I think he showed back up or why he didn't leave completely. Um, the buddy that I was telling you about that uh, knows the owner and helped me get on this property and he plays a big role in this story. Um, Apart from getting me on there, he's you know more like our people that aren't quite as ate up as, as you and I are and a lot of the listeners are about deer. He's more about wants to get out there when the weather's right, fill the freezer. Doesn't really, I mean, he'd love to kill a big buck, but doesn't really care about it that much. You know, isn't super meticulous about you know wind and scent and everything else. Just wants to go out and do his thing and hopefully you know get a deer. And to that end, since you know he hooked me up out there. What I wanted to do is I knew this corner down in the bottom um, of that area had a great spot for a ground blind. So what I wanted to do is hook up a ground blind down there for him. And Kentucky just liberalized its uh, crossbow rules. Okay. Um, basically, it mirrors our archery except for like a week or two. So I said, man, you know, you, you don't want to limit yourself just to gun season. you got this crossbow. Get on in here. I'll get you set up. And we can bait here in Kentucky, so I put a feeder out there for him and put the feeder in and uh, didn't get it started running until after a crossbow started, which is about the middle of the month. So I think that the reason this guy didn't leave uh, is because he had some food out there. Gotcha. All right. So so basically you put that, that feeder out there just so the does would stick around, just so your buddy could utilize his crossbow during the archery season. Yeah. Cause I've, I've hunted, I hunt every year in Texas and uh, you know, they're big on feeders down there, but apart from hunting in Texas on feeders, uh, that's just about the limit of the experience I have on them. Uh, when I'm here in Kentucky and even for the most part in Texas, you just don't see very many mature deer on feeders. They only hit them at night because, you know, they didn't get that old being stupid. Right. Right. All right. So, uh, then, so it was mid-September when you put the feeder out? Yeah, I okay. put the feeder out, and I have a wireless camera uh, that I hooked up to, you know, just kind of see what was out there. So I put that out there, too. Gotcha. So how long uh, how long did it take for the deer to kind of get comfortable with that feeder and, and show up to it? A lot more time than it took the coons. Yeah. 
Coons <laughs> are all over them. I started seeing deer on that thing probably about a week to 10 days, uh, about a week before this buck was killed uh, is when we started seeing it. Okay. Started seeing deer coming out. Right. So with that said, you had cell camera kind of sending you information saying, hey, there's does in the area. How many times yep. did you or your buddy go out and, and, and hunt this property to try to get him a doe before this buck ended up showing up? Well, that's, that's an interesting part of it. Um, you know, get all this stuff set up and, you know, he, he's like a lot of us, you know, he's got, he's got a, a job and responsibilities and it's just not the priority to him that it is to a lot of us as far as getting out there. And, uh, I kept talking to him about it and he's, he just doesn't really like to hunt unless the weather is, is nice. You know, he didn't want to, he doesn't want to field dress one when it's 90 degrees and, the month of September, not only being a drought, we had record heat. We had more days in the 90s in Kentucky oh, in September right. than we ever have on record. And, I mean, a lot of days pushing 100. Right. Um, so it just, you know, he didn't want to get out there. And about a week, um, the last week of uh, September, we started getting pictures of this buck hitting this thing, hitting this feeder about 7, 730, right at dark. And I, I was just shocked. Um, I'd never had a deer like that um, out there this time of year. Yeah. So I, it's funny you say that because I just remember all my friends uh, who went and hunted early season Kentucky hoping to get a crack mm-hmm. at a velvet buck. All they were doing was complaining about how hot it was. Right, just oh, dripping brutal. sweat. This is the record of most ninety degree days in a row, or whatever. And uh, I just had to kind of laugh at that because uh, uh, I don't know. But so, so, so he didn't hunt too many times, or you guys weren't taking. No, you didn't hunt at all. Or no. how, none. He did not get out there one time. I hunted a different part of the uh, of the farm one time because you know to your point the only thing worse than being in a tree stand when it's 95 is being in a ground blind when it's 95 uh, i mean you're basically in an easy bake oven dude yeah yeah so let's see here all right so then you weren't you were hunting a different piece of the property um so there was really no pressure around that feeder i mean the deer were just started to come in what date did did the target buck show up then well, he showed up about four, four or five days, um, even when it was hot. I mean, it was 90s all these days in a row. This is the week leading up to the fourth. Yeah. And then we had everything line up. It was 95 on, it was going to be 95 on Thursday. And it was supposed that we had this cold front come through and it was going to drop to 75 on Friday with a north wind. And it was going to be magic. I mean, it was just going to be perfect. That wind sets up really good for this spot, primarily because what happens most places, at least most places I hunt, right in the evening, wind 90% of the time will die down. Well, at that point, you're in a lower elevation, and the thermals are pulling your, your wind back behind that blind down into that creek. And behind the blinds, huge blackberry thickets, so nothing can get behind you. So the access would have been great with the north wind he could get right you know you could get right into that blind yeah. and i mean if i drew it up it couldn't have been a, a better scenario gotcha and so, then this buck is coming in 
every night right at 7 o'clock. Right at 7 o'clock. So you right. actually mm-hmm. had to show restraint and not go in after him right away after you got pictures of him. You had to wait for the oh, yeah. right wind. Exactly. Okay. All right. But that's tough to do. I know, like, there are a lot of people who think that they can go in there and say, there's two scenarios here. I, and I think this is where a lot of people start getting mistakes, whether it's with a cell camera or maybe they're hunting a different piece and they, uh, they see a, a buck from the stand or they, they have other, they check their trail cameras, whatever. And I think a lot of people, they, they think for some reason that the wind isn't going to be a problem. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they just forget about the wind and wishful thinking. Yeah. Just wishful thinking. They think that for some reason that deer is going to go out, go a different way. And then they don't even see him. And then they say, well, I got lucky. He didn't even show up. So he wouldn't have busted me anyway. Well, there's a good chance he already busted you before he even came in to an area. Absolutely. Right. So it's, you know, I'm all about being aggressive but at the same time, I'm also about being smart about access and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I just think a lot of people, they, they get a picture and then it's, they, they forget everything that they've learned over the years. No, you're absolutely right. And the way this place, the access to it is from the north. There's a, a, a road, a gate that you come in that skirts around to the east of it and then goes up the road to the head of the CRP. And with that north wind, you can walk straight down. The CRP is so tall, nothing can really see you as you're going down that road. And then you'll cut back in back towards the west. And with where they bedded there on that western side, you could sneak in. So, I mean, you could not have drawn this up any better for Friday. And I'm looking at it, and, I mean, I'm on this deer. I've spent tons of time put the ground blind up for him. You know, I, but I'm not going to hunt it. I'm not going to hunt that day. And I told him, I said, look, I want you to get in there. He said, no way. He said, look, you've been spending all the time out there. You've done all the work. He said, I haven't even been out there. And I, I said, look, I would have zero chance at any deer out here if it wasn't for you. He didn't kill a buck last year. didn't kill a deer last year. Um, just you know, had an off year. And I knew this was just perfect. And I said, I want you to go do it. And this was on Wednesday because I knew this is what the weather was going to do. And he said, I'll do it. And I was, I was so jacked. I mean, I wanted him to get this so bad because, you know, he's a good friend of mine. And, you know, if he got this deer, this would just make his life perfect. Tom, uh, let me stop yeah. you there a second because I think you could have, you could end the story right here. And this is awesome because there are not a lot of people, in my opinion, especially when it comes to a big mature buck, let's just say a mature buck, like inches aside or whatever this thing scored. Right. You said, Hey man, why don't you get in there and you do it? Like you, you put someone else before you and dude, that's awesome. And, and then this other guy says, no man, I want you to do it. It's like you two, you two guys are not think you're not selfish. You're, you're thinking about other people. And I think, man, that is so cool. And that's what it's all about, man. That is what it's all about. Yeah, I appreciate it. He, he's a really good guy, and he's you know, he's been a great friend and helped me out a million times. And, you know, he said, "Hey, um, okay, good, I'll do it." And yeah. so it's you know that's on Wednesday, and on Friday, I'm so jacked. I mean, I'm just pumped. The weather's hitting just like we said. Here comes the north wind. The temperatures dropped. I'm calling him in the morning, 
And uh, I said, all right, man. So I said, remember, here's the access. Because yeah, he wouldn't pay, to, pay attention to any of that. You know, and I'm not trying to be um, overbearing, but I want him to get in there, right? You know, and not, and not booger it up so he can get this guy because it's just working out like clockwork. And he says, yeah, I'm going to, but, and you know how that goes. Anything you say before, but doesn't really matter. <laughs> he said, I've got a whole bunch of things I got to do and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just, I'm going, oh, no, man, you can't, you know, I'm not telling him this because I know he wants to, but. Bottom line, he doesn't get out there. Yeah. And um, my selflessness only goes so far. <laughs> well, I tell you what, brother, if you're not going, I am. <laughs> like, exactly. That's crazy. That's it. There are two different kinds of hunters out there, man. There are yes, hunters like, and this I don't want this to sound offensive, but there's guys like him who mm-hmm. are, they'll go out and they will enjoy hunting on their time only, right? Their convenience yep. only. Yeah. And then there's guys like us who yep. make plans and change plans and plan ahead. And, you know, like there is a cold front coming on Friday. I will be in a tree stand on Friday. <laughs> yep. You know? And, and no, I get it. And, and I'm glad there's guys on both sides of that. <laughs> well, I'm all, sure right? you are now. I'm sure you are now. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, you know, he tells me he can't make it, and he tells me late enough in the day where I can't make it. Oh, are you um, kidding you know, this me? Is, no, this is 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he's saying, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to do my best. And if you're not in that thing by 4, you don't have a shot. So oh he Lord. bails about 3 o'clock. Oh, so you weren't going to go with him even? He was just going to go no, by no, he was just, No, no, he was going to go by himself. And, you know, if he went in, he got him, which I figured he would. You know, I'd be there in a heartbeat to – to help him out and uh you know not that he needs the help but i just want to be there right right man i would have been there to so, open the fence for him open the gate for him to the farm and you know <laughs> like all right buddy you got till uh you got till 333 to be here and if you're not here by 334 i'm i'm hunting <laughs> yep well next next year if this happens again hopefully knock on wood i'm just going to kidnap him i'm not going to take no for <laughs> We'll put a bag over his head and drive him out there, and he won't know where he's at, right? Right. So, so you, you or him ahead. could not make it that uh, that day. Yeah, that's Did, Friday. That's that's Friday. So, mm-hmm. what happened? What's now? It's Saturday. Like, are you guys both going out to hunt, or what's the deal? No, he he can't get out there on Saturday, and uh, I told him, "Well, I, I'm going." Yeah. And Saturday, um, we still had the same cool temperatures. Um, the winds had changed a little bit. We had an east, and it was supposed to hit southeast, which really just screws everything up if I'm doing a decent job of describing this terrain on access because that's blowing it across the CRP back into where the bedding is and back where they come in, where he's coming in from in those woods out there into that field. Right. And uh, so I'm looking at it, trying to figure it out, you know, how am I going to do this? And um, the wind was supposed to change. You know how that is. I mean, you can look at these apps all day long and, you know, just roll the dice. You hope they're right, but they're, you never know. Right. But the wind was supposed to change from east to southeast about between 3 and 4. That's the good news. The bad news is I don't have any real access to this place uh, from that side unless I drive up on a highway that's about a quarter of a mile away from there and i had permission to cross through to where i need to get to but I, I parked on the highway or on the side of the road obviously 
walked from there um, over uh, a fence line and about a quarter of a mile and then hacked my way through all the brush on this fence line that's there and was able to get into it. And the wind held. Right as I got there, it started switching to the southeast, which pushed my scent back behind away from where that buck was bedded and back down below him and back towards the creek. Right. Right. Okay. So you altered your access route. The wind was still good for the stand or for the, the, the ground blind. Was this a ground blind or from a tree stand? It's a ground blind. Okay. Yeah, it's so a ground blind. the wind was good for that, for that particular ground blind, but not for the access route. So you altered yeah. your access route then. I did. And, uh, you know, I've heard you guys, and I, I, ever, I guess everybody struggles with different things, but I remember listening to you and to Mark and to so many other guys way back when talking about off winds and, you know, putting the buck where they think they've got the advantage that they don't. Yeah. And I could grasp it conceptually, but I had the hardest time, you know, putting it on paper and, and put it, putting it on the map to figure out where I was. Yeah. And I finally got it. And, and honestly, this couldn't have been a better setup for that because this bedding was just to the west and south of where the blind was. So when he did come out, ultimately, he really felt he had the wind. He had the wind in his nose, but I was down below him. And, uh, I mean, it, it just couldn't have been couldn't have been written up any better, even though it was a different wind than the day before. He really felt like he had the advantage here. Right. So did he show up on the day, on Friday, the day that you guys didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't hunt? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. So he yeah. showed up that day too so yeah. how many days in a row has this buck in daylight showed up on camera he showed up five days in a row before oh. he was killed and i didn't have the heart to send him the, the picture off the cell cam yeah. um that friday evening yeah. i had it and i was just shaking my head i was like god well and every night it was like about 7 seven thirty. i mean right when the sun had gone down um you know between that and last light yeah all right so this was almost one of these hunts where you knew this buck it was if if I had all that data five days in a row of a deer coming in yep. at the same time uh I would be very optimistic that this buck was going to oh. come in day six did were you going into this hunt once you made it to your once you made it to the ground blind and you got settled in without jumping any deer did did you feel really optimistic about the hunt? Oh, I, I've never felt more optimistic. And I mean, I'm not a negative person by any stretch, but I rarely go into a situation. I mean, who goes into a situation where you've had that, that many days in a row, you know, and you're lucky enough to have a cell cam, so it's coming right to you. I mean, you know, doesn't mean he's going to do it the next day, but if he's done it five days in a row, you know, I felt confident come 7, 7.30, once the sun went down, he was just going to show up. You know, what had been happening is it had been, you know, the does would come in and a couple of younger bucks, uh, even turkey. We've got a lot of turkey that come in there and fuckle around a little bit along with the coons. And then about 7, 7.30, here he'd show up. Yeah. Okay. So was it clockwork? Did he show up right right away at, at 7.30, well, 7 o'clock? Well, some of the answers to those questions are yes. <laughs> so I get in there clock just like I want to be. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm just sitting there waiting for the clock to, to come around and 
uh, you know, playing on the phone, watching uh, football games and looking at scores and stuff and just, you know, counting the time till man, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I got in undetected. Everything's going to be great. And, you know, I watch a football game. It's about 515 and um, nothing's happening. Now here comes a couple of turkeys or whatever. I should be seeing a doe pretty soon. Look down at my phone, look back up at 523. He's standing right in front of me. Uh-oh, the, the damn cell phone's going to get you. <laughs> I, did a, I did a Kenman. Yeah. <laughs> I was right there because I'm thinking he's coming in at 7, 7.30, and I'm like, oh, my God, here he is. Yeah. So he's 25 yards coming from my right to my left, coming straight out of where he came before. And the only thing I can think, Dan, is he got smart enough that he figured out if I got there earlier, I'd get more. I, I don't know, but he he hadn't been out first once. Right. So I'm just, I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm, you know, grabbing my bow, you know, going slow and everything. I'm not freaked out because he hasn't seen me and wind's great and everything, but I'm just, I am surprised. There's no doubt. So I reach, get my bow and I've got one of those tactic hands. Of course, I forget to turn it on because you start, (laughs) I'm so startled and I get it and he moves around, comes around, starts feeding around a little bit works his way around and he's probably 22, 25 yards in front of me. And I've got a quartering away shot, which I want. And if you remember the way the land falls, I'm really not quite dead level eye with him. In fact, he's a little bit ahead up above me, probably about three or four feet. Right. As far as the rise of the, of the terrain. So it's a different shot than I'm used to shooting up a little bit. So I wait for him to get there. Uh, he's feeding head down, um, doesn't know I'm there, has no clue. Draw down on him, aim right at the heart, uh, let it go, bam. And I don't hear the, the sound that I that I like to hear, you know, when that diaphragm pops, that big poof. But he runs off, he, he, he looks hit hard. I've got a lighted knock, and I don't see the, I saw where it went in, but I was felt like it might have been a little bit back, which he was quartering away, so a little bit back wouldn't have been bad, but I just wasn't sure. And, of course, I don't have the video of it, so I don't know. And he runs off, doesn't run like full speed, but doesn't run completely hunched over like a gut shot. Mm-hmm. He goes up over the hill, and I don't hear a crash. And I'm just sick. I am scared to death that I hit him low. I mean, I knew I hit him low because I'm shooting up, but I was afraid I hit him too low. I don't see the knock anywhere from the blind. It's 5.30. It's not going to be dark till 7.30. And as soon as he came in, I saw a big rack, and I immediately started looking at vitals. I mean, I'm not going to look at the horns anymore. You know, this, this is a shooter buck. There's no doubt. So then I'm questioning myself. I'm sitting there. Is that the right buck? I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. But, you know, he came in early. It's not. He, he's never come in this early before. Then the other deer kind of start piling in, not piling in. There's probably five or five deer that come in between then and dark. And I'm just sitting there, you know, what if I shot the wrong one? You know, what if I gut shot him? Yeah. I mean, if I gut shot him, I've got to let him sit. You know, I can't see the arrow. I've got to find the arrow, find if there's any gut on it or white hair or whatever the situation is. And just beating yourself up while you wait. I'm, I'm sure you've been there. Yeah. You just, you don't know, you know, you just flat don't know. Yeah. So I wait until dark. Dark finally comes, and uh, it's just about dark. And I walk out there, and I'm looking for the arrow, and I can't see the arrow anywhere, even with the lighted knock. And the CRP is probably in most places anywhere from three 
two and a half to four feet tall yeah. everywhere. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can't see it. And I start looking for blood and you know, it's not just evident. And I look and I'm not seeing any blood easily. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm sure I shot him back. I'm sure I gut shot him. Gosh, what the hell's going on here? Right. And I found a little bit of blood and I found a little bit more and it just kept going. And I just, you know, I, I'm seeing blood, but I'm not seeing, it's not pouring out. I'm tracking for probably about 10, 15 yards, just step by step by myself. And as I keep going, then I started to see a little bit more on either side, not more blood, but blood on either side. So I'm like, good, at least, you know, he's bleeding out on, he's bleeding on both sides, but it wasn't pink blood. There wasn't any bubbles. I mean, it wasn't that much. And I kept going about 20 yards. I see a blob of blood. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, did he bed down here? Because it looked like it was mashed down. And did I jump him? And I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, you may never even see this guy again if you bumped him out. But I see a little bit more blood, and I keep going, and then it hits me. It's like, wait, that's probably coughing. You know, it's not from laying down. He's probably coughing this stuff up. Yeah. And it takes me about probably 45 minutes uh just going slow through this stuff because most there's very little blood on the ground. It's all on these, on this grass on the sides. And it after about 45, 50 yards, I find him and he's dead over there on the right. I'd hit him in the heart. I'd gone up from the right, but it didn't, it all went into his body cavity. It wasn't all bleeding out on the side. Gotcha. But, uh, I was just elated. I mean, it, I'm, I let out a primal scream like I haven't let out in years, <laughs> and, and uh, probably probably since that uh, that hog. <laughs> that right. I and I mean, I just I was just overjoyed because every negative thought, every possibility, everything that I was worried about went through my head uh, until I found him there. Yeah, man, that's nuts. Uh, it's it's amazing what the mind will do to you after you shoot a deer and he doesn't die in sight it, it instantly goes to doubt right instantly mm-hmm. in, instantly goes to doubt um so so how did this buck that you just shot rank or not necessarily rank but where do you put him as far as the story uh and, and i'm gonna have a follow-up question here for you but sure. where, where does this buck rank or, or not necessarily rank, I guess, but, uh, where's the story lay with you? I mean, is this something that like, this is an awesome story where all the pieces of the puzzle, you're so happy or is it just, Hey man, I, sh- I shot a great buck this year. Oh, it's, it's way up there because there's just so many pieces of it. You know, there's, yeah. there's the finding the property, there's finding somebody that knows the owner of the property that happens to be a great friend. There's the work and effort, you know, that goes into figuring out the land, figuring out what's going on. There's the friendship aspect of it, of you know, putting your best foot forward and, you know, hooking a buddy up and he'll be out there and there's other deer and he's going to get one too. But there's that shared experience of it. There's the highs of everything appearing to come together. Yep. Followed by, the perceived or imagined lows of, oh my God, I've taken this perfect, wonderful opportunity, not only away from myself, but away from my buddy. Um, you know, there are just a lot of layers to it and a lot of emotional 
highs and lows to it. Um, but yeah, I just, you put that much effort that many years. I mean, I've got a picture of this deer that really motivated me to try to find the owner of it in November of 2017, walking outside of that field. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it, it's up there. I mean, cause at the end of the day and you know, the meat's great. I love that aspect of it. I mean, I've already done a ton of jerky and given it out to friends and even sent some to a friend of mine that lives in another country. That's another great aspect to all of it. All those things together is what this experience is for me and what I hope it is for other people because there's so many parts to enjoy. There's so many layers that you can get something out of that's beyond, oh, I killed something. Right, right. So now let me ask you this cell cams yep this this deer you knew was showing up on trail camera uh and it was that information was being sent to your phone and so you had you had roughly real-time data depending on the settings of your trail camera but mm-hmm. you you had real-time data coming to you about this buck's activity did yep. you, did did you feel at any way like oh man this is unfair? That's a great question, um, and for anybody that does feel that way, I get it. Yeah. I, I don't begrudge people's position on it. The thing that I can say that would make me feel that way would be if this was the only time I'd ever used a cell camera, and this was the only experience I'd ever had one. With one, I've had cell cameras for the last three years, and nothing ever worked out like clockwork. I mean, I knew what was out there, but there wasn't ever a deer or a buck or even does, for that matter, that were this predictable. And I think one of the big factors with this guy was he was getting older. I think he might have been six. I know he was at least five. And everything I read um, and have learned is that the older they get, the more their range will shrink, the the more they're a little bit less cautious right. and a little bit more predictable. And I think that was the common denominator with this. Did the cell camera give me the ability to see that? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody that looks at it that way, but having experienced using them for the last couple of three years, I never had that kind of uh, a leverage with them before, and I don't really feel bad about this one. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of curious, you know, you get, you know, social media is so stupid sometimes where, you know, and there are going to be people out there who say, oh, dude, yeah, this is a gimme. Like it's a chip shot. Yeah. I mean, the, the only sure. thing you had to do was make sure that you put a good shot on this, on this deer and it took the woodsmanship yep. out of it. And I'm not trying to sit here and belittle this deer. Trust me. I'm not that person. No, but, right. but, I just like this. These are going to be questions that I think we're going to uh, start, I guess, hearing a lot more of because, I mean, there's going to be a time where this technology is going to be so good now to where all you have to do is pull up your phone and it's going to, and you're going to be able to watch live out of your trail camera. Yeah, and hear yeah, live yeah. out of your trail camera. That uh, that is not far off. I wouldn't be surprised if that technology 
is uh, here in the next year or two. And yeah, I agree. Because cell phones can already do it. A trail camera is almost like a cell phone, right? Yeah. Sending yeah. pictures back and forth. No different. So I just, you know, it's it's something that uh, I think about at, at a time. Like I've I've only been running cell cams now. This is my this is really my second year doing it. Mm-hmm. And yep. I have a piece of property to where I can't, um, it's all river bottom. So I don't get cell phone service hardly any, anyway. So all my cell cameras right. are up on top and it's not necessarily where all the big deer hang out during shooting hours. They'll come and visit it nocturnally, yep. but it's not to say that I'm not going to use that data to make a move on a deer. You know, it's like, Oh shit, he's here at 2 AM. That. You know what that means? He's not here at 2 a.m., so I might be able to beat him back to his bedroom. Where I yeah, think he no, might, it's addition know. by subtraction. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, man, just you know, just crazy things I think about. And um, did you? I guess did you think about that at all during this process, or was it just blinders on kill mode? I can say I, I want to kind of address part of what you're saying earlier that you know people can rush to the decision of you know about the woodsmanship and everything else you know people that have that perception you know i don't begrudge it but what i would ask them to consider is i was out there in july in 100 degree heat putting in that that blind i was scouting the area finding where the bucks were bedding finding where the oaks were in august you know, doing the work on on the access, doing the things necessary to put myself in a position to be successful. That doesn't mitigate their point, but it isn't it also isn't the same as a high fence thing. Absolutely. And from that perspective, I think you have to look at the whole of what somebody's doing and not just focus on the one thing that you may or may not have an issue with. And I don't mean it about me. I'm just talking about us as hunters. Right. To be able to say, okay, this is my line. This is what I will do. This is what I won't do. This is what doesn't feel good to me, what does feel good to me. And that's okay. You get to have that line. But where we start hurting ourselves is when we start imposing those things, either to the strict end or to the easy end for somebody else. Because what we do then is we diminish our numbers and we diminish our ability to pursue what we love absolutely absolutely my friend well mr tom waters man i really appreciate your time thank you very much for uh stopping in and uh again congratulations on a beautiful deer i appreciate it dan thanks for having me on buddy just want to send a big thank you to tom waters for taking time out of his day to hop on the podcast big thank you to all of you who are taking time to listen to the nine finger chronicles and the sportsman's nation huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast vortex optics prime bows lone wolf tree stands ripcord arrowrest wasp archery ozonic scent elimination please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast other than that guys you know you know the drill Follow me on social, Nine Finger Chronicles and Sportsman's Nation. And that's Instagram and Facebook. Be sure you are subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. 
Uh, you can go to Stitcher. You can go to Podbean. I mean, just about anywhere that podcasts can be downloaded, we're here. Or you can visit sportsmansnation.com and get it right from the horse's mouth. A lot of uh, blog articles there as well. And you can go to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel and check out uh, the Southern Ground guy. He's uh, putting out a lot of awesome content uh, on the YouTube channel. I've been uh, dragging ass on that. I, I just... I need to get a new video camera and uh, as soon as I get a new video camera then I'm going to start making more video content on top of everything else that I'm already doing other than that guys it's trees it's tree stand season and uh, we need to uh, you know we need to think about ourselves and our families and our safety so if you're going to be in a tree wear your damn safety harness good luck out there (laughs) 